Hi and welcome to Attention Plus on Talking Stuff Network. This is episode forty-six. We were on a short break and uh, didn't have episodes for a couple of weeks, but we're back now. And uh, what did we miss? Uh, Team India marching on, maybe with just a hiccup. Uh, we missed a budget, the usual monsoon headlines of various cities grinding to a halt, and uh, in Bollywood, what uh, we had Kabir Singh pissing off a lot of people and still managing to rake in the moolah. And meanwhile, in the break, our host seems to have made the most of this break uh, to recharge his creative cells. And uh, going by his recent post on Mohra turning twenty-five, he is in as fine a form as uh, Mr. Sharma ji ka beta. So welcome back, Arnab. Only you could write a column on Bollywood that would make me Google Bernoulli's equation. <laughs> so, uh, we decided right to to record this even while the India Sri Lanka match was on. It's done now. India's won. But yeah, I actually slept through it. I didn't even wake up for the India Sri Lanka match. It's it was it was that inevitable. Given is there a better indicator of how exciting things were? Any time with the India Sri Lanka match, I don't care when it is. Even if it's ten ten a.m. in the morning, I'll go to sleep. So. <laughs> Uh, given given Sri Lanka, then I say I say Sri Lanka because of two reasons. First off, because I don't think they're a cricket team any, with anymore. With due apologies to Suhail, with due apologies to the perhaps the only Sri Lankan fan that exists who's not in Sri Lanka, and uh, with with and also because I think two years about for two years we have been playing Sri Lanka very frequently. I think that's one of the reasons why Sri Lankan. Team has become like this. I, I'm being facetious here, of course, but I think we've overplayed Sri Lanka, and we 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 like to play Sri Lanka because it was an easy game for us. It's pretty obvious why, uh, and I think we will come to that. We'll come to the individual teams, uh, kind of do a brief analysis of the different teams that have been eliminated and why I think it happened. But before we start, I think it's uh, well. We we I just lived through two huge earthquakes here. In, uh, in the, yeah. the first one. The first one was very scary because the second one was even bigger. But the reason why I didn't personally feel it, my family felt it was because I was out in the park walking. So when you're out in the park walking, that I don't know why, but you don't feel it th- that much outside. Then you feel it inside. Inside, the first time it hit, which was a six something. I mean, I was again, I was sleeping because it's a l- long weekend. So I just woke up and this this whole bed was like. Really shaking, and of course, it's very obvious that there's an earthquake. Given given that I stay in Los Angeles, but had no idea that it was this bad. And one thing that I, that should be mentioned is, if you can imagine that in India, if you have in most places, if you have an earthquake of six and then seven, there'd be much more devastation. It's just because the uh, the buildings here are built for that. It's that apparently they have like some kind of spring loading in the base that that it actually smoothens these these tremors. So of course some of the pictures fell down from the ground or from the wall. But other than that, there was no damage inside the house. Even did though your daughter sleep through it or did she get scared? No, no, my daughter my daughter was sleeping through it when I when I went and I woke her up and because I was scared. And the one thing that you never do in an earthquake is that you. You try to stay on the bed. You do not try to run out of the house while the earthquake is going on, because the first things that break are the ones that you pass through. The the door frames, the windows, they're the ones that first break. So in a way, if you're on a bed, it's safest to be on the bed and stay there with the pillow on your head. 
Uh, the second, the best thing you can do is to get under under a table. But I have reached the bulk where I can't get under a table. <laughs> and there's there's more more physical harm in the activity of trying to get under a table than possibly might happen from the earthquake. So uh, that's for for those of you who do not know. I didn't know the first the first time I ever experienced an earthquake was in Maryland, which is not a place where you would expect earthquake. So nobody knew what to do. And uh, that that was perhaps the most scary thing because in LA you expect earthquakes. In Maryland, I never thought that I would ever feel an earthquake. I didn't even know what it was when when it struck. Why is this? I was in office and uh, I was walking to my manager's room and suddenly the whole place started shaking and I was wondering what what is going on in this office building? Well, why is it shaking like this? And we all walked out which was absolutely the wrong thing to do during an earthquake. We did the exact wrong thing. Later on after that, I googled and found out that, well, we did the terrible thing. But moving on, moving on to the topics of the day. The first topic that we wanted to talk about was was that speech by Mahua Moitra in uh, in Parliament. Now, Mahua Moitra has, has come has come into my radar a long time ago when she when she showed the middle finger to Arnav Goswami on on. Uh, times now, he, he was still there in Times Now. I don't know if you've seen that, Vikram. Yeah, it's viral. I saw it now. I didn't see. Oh, you it. saw it now. I saw it then. So that's the thing. That's why I always like. I like to consider myself always ahead of the curve in terms of terrible things that are going on in popular culture. So I saw it then. Actually, I saw it live at that point of time. For some reason, I was watching Times Now when that thing happened, and she's she's quite had a reputation of being a of, of rather short temper, let's say. And the the speech was again the the of course the controversy became one of plagiarism. Uh, for those of you who not, she was accused of having plagiarized that speech on uh, fascism on the signals of fascism. Well, the fact is, and then she was accused of having plagiarized this speech from an article written in some rag called Washington Examiner. The thing is that both of them were actually copied. And they, again, it, it, it's difficult to call this plagiarism because this is fairly well known. I know that even Bill Maher in his show has been consistently doing this 12 indicators of fascism and yes, which of these yes. Trump ticks. Yes. So I don't, I mean, all of them, I mean, if you're going to call this plagiarism, this is not plagiarism, actually. I mean, it is in a way, even, even Bill Maher doesn't say what his source is, but it's not very clear what the source is. Some people say it's in Holocaust Museum. That's also actually not true. It was in a was some kind of souvenir shop uh, thing. But wherever it comes from, I don't think that the main issue is one of plagiarism. Even though I think in an interview, Mama Moito then actually once claims that she kind of spontaneously thought of it. That that is where it gets into plagiarism. But she says, you know what? I didn't write this. I, this was something I just read. To, I just fitted it into Modi, which is which would have been fine. Would have been a fine thing to say. I don't think anybody can say that just because somebody has fitted it into Trump doesn't mean somebody can't fit it into Modi. I think that's that's okay. But the fact that she tried to defend this, that she tried to first say that it all spontaneously came up in her head, that was that was possibly the more funny thing. But I think the larger issue is again is this kind of this fluffing up of Mahua Moitra. I mean, who's Mahua Moitra actually? I mean, she's just a, another one of TMC's new MPs. And she gave this speech. Of course, she's, you know, she talks in a clipped English accent. So she's very, 
uh, we, we, the, the English, the Twitterati can kind of make a connection with her. She's exactly the politician we wish we had, uh, somebody who speaks English very well. And then she makes this, this rather intellectual speech on fascism. It doesn't matter actually where she's taking the cues from, but it, it, it sounds good. It's, it's not terribly original. I think the bigger issue is, you know, the person and the party that she represents is is a bigger fascist presence than 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 pretty much any government in India today. I think that is the story, that a person who represents fascism is now going on about fascism about somebody else. That is the incongruity. That is the irony. Not whether she copied it from someplace, which she did, of course. And and then, of course, there was a deluge of interviews of Mahua Moitra. You know, everybody was, and this is again the the the, the Indian liberal media uh, tries to build up these kind of antagonists, or rather, say heroes, because I, I think Modi is the antagonist. Here. These these kind of the heroes and heroines to take on uh, to take on Modi and Shah. So just like you know, the the the, the different gods sat together, and from their minds was born Devi Durga. They want to create these Devi Durgas every few months. And unfortunately, their created Devi Durgas don't actually go and slay the demon. Uh, they go and implode. So this has happened to, let's say, when when did this start from? I mean, uh, definitely it was Kanahiya Kumar, Kanahiya, yeah. then Sheila Rashid, then um, Jignesh Mewani. And we have, we, have, we, have, we, have, we have been having these. And at least I can say, uh, having listened to both Mahua Maitra. Arvind Kejriwal uh, was the first. Uh, Arvind Kejriwal was the first, of course. Uh, he was the he was the original original sin, and uh, we've been we've been going on. And Mohamitra is the latest in that line. And and the thing with Mohamitra is that compared to Kanhaya Kumar, she is much less original. Kanhaya Kumar actually, if you heard his speech, that speech that was viral, that nobody is a political madam. Uh, I thought that was a very well argued uh, speech. I thought it was very well argued. It was entertaining was, uh, for sure. Very entertaining. He has a very natural way. I mean, Kanahiya Kumar at least is a performer. He's a first grade performer. Uh, Mohamitra isn't a first grade performer. I mean, what she's just basically, it's just a lot of English. And I'm very angry. I'm very angry. I'm very angry. There's, 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 there's nothing. There's nothing there except anger and then the speech. The thing with Kanahiya Kumar is he has this very cool, slow voice. You know, he's, he's gently amused. Uh, and and, and, and he's, he's got a very good stand-up comedian's uh, demeanor, uh, and, I, and I mean it with, and I mean it with all respect. I don't want to, I don't want the sound as I'm kind of trying, trying to kind of reduce him and saying that he's, he's a comedian. I'm not saying that. I'm saying he's a good politician when it comes to speaking. So uh, all I'll say is that of all the different gods that that uh, that the Indian media has tried to create from their mind, I think he's the best. Uh, and at least his his speeches and when he talks, there's some substance in what he says. There is some style in what he says. And those are the things which I cannot say for Mohua Moitra and either case. Okay, so moving on, we want to talk a little bit about, again, another story which was the, uh, which, which, which was the encephalitis deaths. And uh, it was, again, it became more about Anjana Omkashya barging into a hospital and trying to make it about herself, which was, again, terrible. But Anjana Yonkaship in general is terrible and she's not the only one. This is, of course, news as news as entertainment. And she and the, 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 the slew of anchors who trying to see new as news as some form of reality entertainment shows. And they have to 
they they feel that it is it is it is journalism to do a rakhi sawant kind of uh, you know something which nobody has done before apparently but again i don't want to make this about more about anjanam kashyap but about the pathetic state of our public health infrastructure uh when we were growing up um a lot of us in the middle, middle class we used the public health infrastructure because uh, there were not a lot of private hospitals at least in calcutta this might just be my experience but at least in calcutta there were these nursing homes which were very expensive and there are very few in number also and very expensive and not, most of us couldn't afford uh, those places so we've we've encountered public health infrastructure it was pretty terrible you know there was uh, you know dogs in uh, stray dogs walking into ers and you know there's uh multiple multiple patients on a bed uh this you know you walk into a ward and there's a dead body lying there who's not been removed and you 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 you're asked to take the bed right next to a corpse essentially so of course you understand that that the disease this is a place where rather than curing disease disease flourishes and while it's of course and i remember a long time ago when there were there were a number of deaths during mamata banerji when she first came there was something like this and mamata banerji said something which only she can say was that you know these problems happened during cpm time so it's not my responsibility well that was the way it was reported but if you if you, and she did say that but she also said some other things and that unfortunately wasn't reported and what she was trying to say that many of these children when they're brought in are they cannot be saved anymore so you know their deaths kind of count to the hospital's count where they shouldn't actually be counting towards the hospital's count and and people try to keep bringing it out oh she's bad she's blaming the parents and she's not but 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 there's truth to what she's saying but again this 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 kind of brings me to this thing that this this was how news for how long one day two days and we really don't have a deep introspection on things like our public health infrastructure we have we the, the media spends much more time on lynch mobs and violence than they than they do this in which actually far more people die every every day uh than than lynch violence than the lynch mob and we'll we'll come to that lynch right. mob thing right, right right now so so another thing that happened while we were on a hiatus was that there was this violence in a temple where a temple in delhi was desecrated by a, by a group and uh, it was and of course depending on which which uh, which polarity of media you prefer listening to it was either uh, it was either a hindu khatre mein hai kind of situation or it was just oh, just a minor tra- traffic incident which just led to you know a temple being desecrated i mean it's traffic incident hey you hit my bumper boom next thing you know a temple has been desecrated so neither of these are completely true and I've, as i have one of the one of the things that i've said multiple times on this podcast is the problem really isn't about religion the problem is about the fact that in our country while the individual is powerless the group is all all powerful everybody knows that they just need to become a part of a group and then they can uh, indulge in any form of violence against people against property against what have you so again in this case this was a classic case of something like this you have some incident which happens which is an incident of public rage and then automatically you have a group forming and you have people going on to do something that they've been wanting to do for some time 
Okay. So again, there is of course a religious angle to this. There is a religious angle to most of these violence incidents, but ultimately the problem isn't religion. It isn't about quote unquote fascism, religious fascism from the center. This is not the problem. This has always happened. It is just because, by the way, when I say this has always happened, shouldn't be taken to be a justification of this. Obviously not. But this is a general template of mob violence that happens. Before that, we had a year ago, we had a case of uh, train in train. Some people got in. Some people had a con, uh, you know battle about seats. This is a standard problem, and many people with the travel without tickets. And then it went, and you know, a Muslim man was killed. And then then it became whole thing became communal. Yes, it, of course, there was some. You know, there is a reason why a Muslim person was killed. There is a reason why a Hindu temple was desecrated. But this is an equal opportunity. In a way, this is equal opportunities. The equal opportunity comes from the fact that when you are in a crowd, you are immune to sanction from the law, and everybody knows this. That there is, and traffic incidents. I've seen traffic incidents get become violent in Calcutta, and most of us have seen. We've seen thieves being lynched. In many cases, that's exactly the kind of situations we have. But given the religion of and this is actually even more egregious if you really ask me because you can say that okay somebody did something some people assembled they beat this guy up and the guy had certain religion and it became a religious angle this was something different there was a parking incident between two people and it was not the person it was a third thing it was a temple which got desecrated as a result so this was even more egregious and to see people trying to dismiss that this the same people who are all over us when you have cow violence trying to dismiss this as a parking incident is a sign of supreme supreme hypocrisy uh, and again this is not surprising you know we have a we have a group of professional hypocrites sitting in our television studios uh, so this is not surprising it's just that how predictable they are and, and it's good for people like us who love to criticize them when they behave the, exactly the way i expect them to behave but again the problem we we have to deescalate we have to because they have a narrative their narrative is that just because bjp is in power uh muslims and christians are being persecuted by the specific orders of the government this is really the narrative right and every situation that happens has to fit into it and if it if it fits into it if it even if it 50% fits into it they paint over the other 50% if something like this temple desecration does not fit into it then they either ignore it and it took them a lot of time there are some places we i think didn't even cover it or if they have to handle it because the other channels are then they try to spin it off as some kind of then they suddenly become very let's not talk about religion in this case let's talk about even though it's a temple which has been desecrated and the temple didn't actually perhaps i'm guessing that the temple wasn't involved in the traffic incident Let's not talk about religion. If we, they won't want to talk about religion because if they did, then the conversation would be, well, how come, given the narrative that you have been pushing, how come this happened? Uh, this is as like to say, this is the this is the Ohm's law paradigm when we when we used to you know do do we when we had to verify Ohm's law uh, doing experiments in our physics lab, people would always make the curve straight. It couldn't be straight because the resistance itself was heating up. So there was no way the curve is going to be straight. This is because it's a constant resistance. But everybody would make it straight. And if you tried to actually simulate what you were getting, the actual readings you were getting, you would possibly fail because this would not represent Ohm's law. I think we we've reached that stage again. And I 
this is this is terrible that this thing go keeps on going in, in going in i don't know if the the people were caught and punished by the way uh did we cover the doctors thing vikram no 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 we, we didn't we didn't in in bengal so it's something very similar happened in bengal uh it was again uh, somebody died a 75 year old man died and uh, they they lynched a doctor um again is this new no it's not new in bengal and it don't, don't know if, how it is in other parts of india but again the problem was that because of the religion of this group again by the way it was a group the trinamool congress decided to not go after this group they decided to come down hard on the doctors and this is again this talking about fascism and mohamoitra this this was directly the government refusing to take action again i'm not saying that they're the only government i'm pretty sure the similar thing would happen in uttar pradesh and has happened in uttar pradesh before where given the religion of the mob the government which is and as in mamata banerji herself said after losing and after losing so many seats that the muslim vote bank supported her and to use the bengal jigoru dud that the latio khete which which means the cow that gives milk you have to take a few in the teeth from them so she is openly pandering and this was an again an example when why did it become such a huge movement in bengal because it was not that this event was particularly novel and this thing happens but it was the it was the attitude of the state to support the mob rather than the doctors that's what was the tipping point and even like people like aparna sen who was and, and several others who are kind of pro trinamool they publicly came out and said no we don't we don't support this um even mamata banerjee even people inside tmc and this was i would say these were very courageous people to come out and say this in a in a in a state which is essentially more fascist than anything you can imagine uh people who came out in support of the doctors were the daughter of the mayor of calcutta who is himself a muslim a daughter came out and said look i am a tmc supporter but i cannot support the mamata banerjee stands on this what she is taking she came out in a very public facebook post um one of the one of one of trinamool congress's superstar candidates dev who's like the number one hero in bengali film industry today sadly uh is he actually also came out he didn't criticize mamata banerjee of course but he came out with a tweet or some kind of pronouncement saying i stand with the doctors when you say i stand with the doctors it's it's fairly obvious that i'm saying that i don't stand i'm not supporting the official government and, and there were a lot of people who did actually because it was so egregious it was so egregious that the government consistently and it was not just in every place where doctors were striking trinamool congress and the police tried to intimidate them i mean there were horrific horrific accounts again unconfirmed unverified there through whatsapp so you can never really know but coming from doctors and i i got some of these messages because i you know there were some people who were you know sending me stuff who were doctors and who who who, who read my blog and and they were horrific you know as as to the kind of intimidation that the striking doctors were being subject to by the state by the way again the the sad thing is none of they, they remain unconfirmed i mean they they always remain unconfirmed because none of the delhi channels actually want to go and cover these things because it will go against their narrative you will not find ndtv you will not find the wire there you will not find you can see well what what prevents republic tv 
and nothing republic tv actually carried it but republic tv because of their because of the biases that that they have they're not taken seriously that's unfortunately the problem when you don't have centrist media is that nobody is takes them seriously uh, i don't, don't think that the presentation of news and times now and and ndtv into their credit actually they don't shout as much as these guys do i mean they do they they're, they're as much a propaganda channel as times now and republic tv the only difference is they do it in a sophisticated way you don't find right. nidhi shouting at people you don't find them like you know you don't find like that that video of arnab you know walking arnab goes somewhere walking around with his fists pumping everywhere there's you know, no fire on fire i mean see once you do that you know you have zero credibility absolutely zero credibility that's the tragedy of india's so called uh, right wing channels is that because they are populated by a bunch of clowns and i think they 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 are clowns not because perhaps they are not clowns in real life but they have to put on performance theater in order to get their trps that in they feel that they are obliged to compete against sasbhi bahuti or pavitrishta so they have to you know put some kind of scenes like when the when the sas saps the bahu they have to they have actually do simulate that in news so i understand that the demands for that are high and it's not easily done and i applaud them for 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 being able to do it but that just means that whatever they touch whatever issues they touch is tarnished by their sheer clownishness and buffoonery that you cannot believe i mean you can say oh who carried this times now <laughs> who carried this republic <laughs> so they don't even keep the pretense of journalism at least ndtv the wire and all these places the hindu they at least keep the pretense of journalism they create you, when you, when you turn in they say so hi these guys sound okay i mean pretty much rajdeep sardes even india today kind of leans towards the republic tv now i i think what they do better than most other places they have individual slots in which Uh, rahul kanwal will 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 take one will right. take one right. angle good uh, cop bad cop kind of a thing they've, they've got to... yeah they do a good cop bad cop kind of thing so you can you can latch on to whatever you feel is is working for you i don't think the, i mean that is the definition of indian centrism now it's just you know they have a more varied buffet uh, and 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 the other channels are just blatantly for one side they they they, they feel no obligation to show the other side they have no obligation and and again it's not a question of you even ndtv doesn't show the other side when they show the other side uh is usually they bring a they like to bring a clown as a guest who will by opening his or her mouth absolutely irredeemably condemn their own cause so they 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 intentionally do not bring you know moderate temperate voices on the other side they don't they don't want anybody who can make a good impression on their platform they only bring the extreme ones okay the extreme ones the the ones who who will contradict themselves the ones who will uh who they can attack and they know they can attack because those guys aren't particularly the brightest right. uh, you know the, right. the brightest bulbs so they, they they will be and 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 the republic tv and times now are f- they they're not even going there they're not even trying to be serious journalists and that's why when they cover things like the the violence on doctors in bengal or the temple thing nobody takes them seriously the people who take them seriously in any case would have, i mean they are speaking to the converted right so those people in any case believe that so there's there's the centrist people the ones who are independent the ones who would like to think through things 
they're not going to be watching Republic TV or even if they're watching Republic TV for the cheap thrills, they will not be convinced by anything. Uh, and in that case, NDTV, even though nobody watches it, that's why it's still significant because the way they present their news is a much more sophisticated, the way they do their propagandizing is a much more sophisticated way of doing it. And these other channels have decided that they don't want to do it, maybe because and NDTV's numbers show also, they validate the judgment of Times Now and Republic TV is that that kind of, uh, that, that doesn't bring in the audience. But NDTV and these guys aren't really in the business for the audience itself. I mean, they're in the business for influence. And those are two different things. Okay, from the serious topics of, uh, uh, from, of politics, let's go to the even more serious topics of, of cricket. Yeah, so if you're somebody who doesn't like cricket, probably this is the end of the podcast as far as you're <laughs> concerned, I guess. And for those of you who like cricket, this is the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. And that's one of the great things about this podcast. I mean, there's something in it for everyone. And there's, so if you don't like politics I and mean, this was politics, now we have, now we have cricket and we have to have cricket because this is, this is eff- effectively the end of uh, the world cup. I mean, of course the semifinals still remain, but this was an extensive league. I really like the, the, the league system. The, uh, the next episode will be out on the day of the finals. Wow. On the day of the finals. Okay. Wow. Okay. So, at this point of at this point of time, it's fairly obvious who is qualified for the semi-finals. So it's India, uh, India, Australia, England, and New Zealand. Uh, when I had made my predictions, uh, the only team that I had missed was New Zealand. I had said South Africa. Otherwise, they, these were my picks. Uh, I, of course, I'd said that I'm selecting India, but my heart wasn't in it because I felt India wouldn't do well. India did do well, but if you look at, if you, let's first talk about India since it's a team closest to our heart. It, it did well in the same way that Bangladesh did well. It did well because of one player, essentially. It was not a team effort. This is the worrying thing about India uh, as it heads into the semifinals. It ultimately has been Rohit Sharma, right? Uh, other than Rohit Sharma, I mean, wherever, whenever Rohit Sharma has... From the batting side, Rohit, of course. Yes, on the batting side. Bowling side, I think we have... I mean, this Bumrah has been good. We all know that. And right. Shami was also very good. But, but ultimately, India is a batting team. And India's performance so far, the fact that it is either going to be topping the group or going to come second, we don't know what it is at this point of time. But it, 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 it gives me cause for worry that when the tournament started, we were expecting that it would be at least the bulk of the, the, bulk of the responsibility would be on the top three. And Kohli has had... I would say a strange World Cup in the sense he hasn't stamped his class on any game. He's kind of played, he's kind of played to a, a Deepak Tijori kind of uh, role. And you know, he's kind of been a supporting batsman and he's just too critical a batsman to be a supporting batsman. In the, in the games that India has, has faced problems, you know, in the, in the England game, which we lost, he did not step up. Uh, he, he, he had, he, he's not, he's not been batting badly. He's been batting at this very average, average Kohli level. He's just basically cruising through it. There, there's not been any spark. And as a captain, it's so essential for the captain. And this is the time in the 1983 World Cup when we won it. It's okay for the captain to defer to other players, but in the critical crunch matches, it's essential for the captain to stand up. And if the captain isn't standing up, so this is this is my criticism of Kohli, and this is why I'm a little worried about India 
heading, even though they have, have had very fairly dominating performances. Uh, but it's all been on the shoulders of this one person. And the law of averages is sooner or later going to catch up with him. Uh, before the tournament began, we had Dhawan with him. And so we kind of said, okay, maybe Dhawan and him will split the odds. And then Dhawan got injured. And now, today we had Kale Rahul scoring a century. But Kale Rahul hasn't. I mean, it's against Sri Lanka. Against Sri Lanka, saying against Sri Lanka is like the Bangladesh of 10 years ago. So this, this, this innings does not really count for much. But the, the problem really has been, we knew that this was a problem, but the problem's been even more problematic has been the very, very soft middle order. Now, once four wickets are down, India is basically out of the game. And if you're chasing, like in any, if in the semifinals we face England, which seems to be the most likely possibility, and England bat first and scored 320, 330, and Rohit Sharma gets out, it will just become a, you know, a Sachin Tendulkar of the 90s kind of situation at that point of time. That there, there's just no belief in the middle order with, from Dhoni and anybody they put in the middle order, whether it was Kedar Jadav. They just didn't look like that they, that, they, that they could win, put on, let's say, 100 runs in the last 10 overs. We don't have anybody. And we can only pray that we don't get into a situation where we need 100 runs in the last 10 overs. Because I don't think that given the Indian middle order that it exists today, we can, I mean, perhaps I hope that in the semifinals, if they get, they can once they can do it. But consistently, you cannot expect this middle order to score 100 runs in the last 10 overs, which has kind of become pretty standard nowadays. Right. Uh, again, especially against teams like England, which, which, which do have that kind of middle order. It is perhaps the only team uh, I think Australia does have the middle order too, but it's all, I think it's also having a problem with this middle order. But with, 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 with Butler and, and their middle order, I think England have nothing to worry with respect to that getting 100 runs of the last 10 overs. They do have uh, you know, that firepower. But moving on to the different teams. So Vikram, which, which team did you feel was the worst in this World Cup? Well, uh, actually, I, I don't think it was Pakistan. I would actually say Sri Lanka. Yes, Sri Lanka was the unmitigated disaster. I mean, it's almost sad to see this, this, this side and, and remembering the, the great sides from the 90s and the 2000s. I think they found a star in what's his name, Avishkara Fernando. I think he might be, he might be someone that they can look to in the future. Then, then that's what the biggest problems with Sri Lanka. It's just that even when you look at this team, there's nobody here other than Avishkara Fernando who you think, okay, maybe this guy will carry Sri Lanka forward. There's nobody. There's Angelo Matthews, who's, who, whose fitness is, you know, he, I would put, I would have a premium Maruti 800 to be more reliable than him. <laughs> you know, he, I, I heard this story that once he was, I don't know if this was true or not, but it sounds funny, so I'll presume it's true. That apparently, once he was in the dream team bus and the bus hit a gadda on the road and he actually got a hamstring injury and didn't play for three months. <laughs> he was sitting in the bus. <laughs> so so, so th- this is this is Angelo Matthews. So their so their performance at Angelo Matthews, right? He's old. They they were playing this guy called Jeevan Mendes. You know how old he is like 37 years old. So he's this guy who's been brought out of retirement. He of course paid pathetically too, but they're bringing out 37 year old guys who have not been playing in order to be their all-rounder. So you can understand it to the, to the level, to the, 
where in the battle they are currently in. And I think one of they the biggest the, indi- they would be the CSK of the World Cup. Excuse me. Yeah. They're the C- they're the CSK in the antimatter universe actually. <laughs> so they have the old people, but they have have none of the performance. So I think one of the indicators of Sri Lanka's overall. I'm not just talking about this World Cup, but the overall lack of performance is the fact that no none of them, except Lasit Malinga, who's the oldest person, plays in the IPL. The IPL is really pure cricketing capitalism, right? It's when people actually are willing to pay for your performance on a person-to-person basis. Speaking of Malinga, is that pot-bellied photo, is it a Photoshop is it, or is it real in no, India? He, he, he is pot-bellied. I mean, so I've, I've seen the games. He is, then he, he is my new hero. I mean, a pot-bellied guy. Wow. Okay. Yeah, he's a, he's a pot-bellied guy who consistently still at this age can crank it to 140. Okay. Which just shows that just as age is a number, waist size is also a number. A big number for in my case, but yeah. Yes, it is, it is It is. still a number. Okay, it's just like age, it's just a number. And I think Lasit Malinga was inspirational in that respect. He was still, this is, this, is, this is the most severe indictment of Sri Lanka. Is He's still their best bowler. A pot-bellied person, who a very pot-bellied pace bowler in this day and age, who's actually retired, almost was the coach for Mumbai Indians last year. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> So he's effectively he's effectively retired. He's the mentor level at this point. He did have a good IPL this time. He did have the he was the only bowler who looked mildly penetrative. I mean the other ones looked like and they, they looked they, they were not international class. Let's let's just put it that way. I mean they wouldn't be able to make it into an IPL team. They wouldn't even be able to replace Yusuf Patan. Okay, that's how bad they were. And, and it's just an embarrassment to watch Sri Lanka. And I wish that I wish I wish that. Rather than Sri Lanka, we had some, a team like Ireland or someone who at least would have, we want to see them play. Sri Lanka, I don't even want to watch them. This is sad to say this, but really, that's why I slept through the game. I just, this is just a boring team to watch. You know that they're going to lose. Again, this is not something which we can say for Afghanistan. It's not. Also, the fact is that the Sri Lankan batsmen are also boring. Uh, everything about them is boring. They're not only are they their results and the results are better than Afghanistan, but Afghanistan, at least to their credit, are not a boring side. They have a lot of very, very exciting players. So you can watch them. And that's also reflected in the fact that so many in Afghanistan team actually play franchise cricket in different franchises exactly. in the world. It's not just IPL. Is that people are willing to put more value on them than anyone from Sri Lanka. Anyone from Sri Lanka. So Sri Lanka was by far the worst side in, in this tournament. And I think they should should definitely be made to go through an, a qualifier to get into the next World Cup. I don't think they should. I don't think they should just make it in there. The next team, the team that I think came after them in terms of how bad they were, were unfortunately Afghanistan. And the reason was, was I think it was off. It was infighting. I don't know if you're aware of this, but they had an extremely, extremely controversial World Cup in terms of. Their team selection, their captaincy, they were almost publicly bickering. And Afghanistan is a young cricket nation. I mean, bickering is something which you expect, don't expect young cricketing nations to do. You expect them to be focused. You expect them to play as a team. Bickering comes in once 
you are you've been in the you've been in the system for 20 years you have superstars and then superstars bigger you have sunil gavaskar versus kapil dev you have you have all of that you have sort of ganguly versus rahul dravid that's when you bickering javed miyazad versus imran khan i mean that that level and you have to be javed miyazad and imran khan level okay you have to be wasim akram wasim akram walker you have to be at that level to bicker in that case you you are excused not when you're afghanistan Okay, not when you're Afghanistan, not when you're at this stage. So I don't know if you're aware that Mohammad Shahzad, there, another odd-bellied uh, cricketer. Yep, uh, yep. He was he was sent home. Uh, he was sent home because of injury, and he himself said he wasn't injured. So he apparently found out that he had been sent home because he was injured. That, that's how injured he was. And uh, uh, Again, I just don't think that they could have afforded sending Mohammad Shahzad back. Mohammad Shahzad might not be a good keeper; he isn't. But in terms of batting, he is their best batsman. And when you come and you bring him, and then you decide to send him back, it was just—it was just obvious that I think Rashid Khan had a very, very bad tournament, which was strange. I thought that he would have a good tournament, at least in the beginning few games. When uh, I think at the end, when the summer is really kicked in, it's difficult to get spin. But at least initially, I thought you would have a much better tournament. But I think the the kind of infighting that they had in the team, they I think they played with. I think all their players got a chance to bat and uh, to 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 play, which means they had no steady team. Uh, some of their best batsmen, like that guy called that Zazai, and Zazai is a huge hitter. He wasn't playing in most of their games, and it was. And their captain was a clown. Okay, that Gulbuddin Naib is an oh, absolute yes. clown. Okay, he's he 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 suffers from that. Mohalla, I have the bat, I'm the ball, I'm the captain mentality. That you know, he has to open the innings. He has so to. Pakistan match, I mean, yeah. He can neither he can he can neither bat. Okay, he's not definitely not opening batsman material. He can neither bowl. He's not opening bowler material. He can do a bit of everything. And he was just a clown. I mean, whether it was Hamdu Dubey Hasan and Tumko Bilay Dubeyenge, he was he was all about making the thing about him. Okay, he was just the worst kind of captain, and the worst kind of. It, there was obviously no control in the Afghanistan team, and ultimately at the end you could see that they had all gone back to the deposed captain Azgar Afghan. I don't know if you saw the that that but they, when they were going in, it was not Gulbuddin Naib who was talking to them. It was their old captain, the guy who got deposed right before the World Cup in favor of this clown. So uh, Afghanistan, I'm disappointed in the sense that you know whenever whenever you have a side which doesn't win any game, and it did come close in a few games, but not really very close. It's it's not even true that they came very close against Pakistan or India either. They did put up a fight. They're a very good team. Uh, I mean, in terms of they're very individually talented players. I still think that Rashid Khan is is the best T20 limited overs bowler in the world as of today. But somehow this this team did not gel. The next team in 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 terms of you know patheticness was of course South Africa. Uh, South Africa. It's always for all of us who have been following World Cup ever since South Africa has come back into the fold. They were always a favorite. They've, they've never seen a tournament where they've gone in as not a favorite. And their problem used to be that they choke. Okay, then we have. I think South Africa. We can all agree have def- definitely solved that problem. They don't choke anymore. They just don't perform. So choking was that they they win everything and then just at the last moment they they have a bad match, usually in an eliminator. 
this time at least they didn't even get there. And I'd mentioned this fact that and I always consider Favre Duplessis as a Deepak Tijori kind of batsman. He, he, he can only perform when there's somebody else as go- better than him that he's perf- that is performing. He provides a good support role. And he needs somebody... They, this, this team lacked that one person around whom they could crystallize. They, I mean, they sorely missed A.B. De Villiers. They missed somebody like A.B. De Villiers or Jack Callis. I mean, somebody who was a superstar by themselves. Fav Duplessis, I mean, he's, he's scored a century again today. But the problem with Fav Duplessis is that he, again, it's, it, it, it's, these are kind of centuries which count, which don't count. These centuries only remain on record books. They, they, don't, they don't make a difference. He did not step up to the plate when it was needed. Uh, the South African team also, I felt, was fair, possibly the weakest South African team that I've ever seen. It's, it's got nothing to do with injuries to their bowlers or the fact that, you know, uh, Favre Duplessis blamed it on IPL. I think that's been a standard thing to blame everything on IPL. I mean, he played IPL himself, by the way. But... I think his. I think his. I think he. What he was referring to was was Rabada, and 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 I think to Dale Stein also. But he can't seriously be expecting him to play at his age. This is this is a Sri Lanka level thing. So South Africa, it was just not a talented South African team. One of the biggest things they missed was I think they don't they didn't have a great all rounder in this side. In South Africa, we've always known them to have two or three very very good all rounders of the Lance Klusner type. I mean, whether it be Jack Callis, whether it be Lance Cruzan, they've, uh, whether it be Brian McMillan, they've always had some of the best all-rounders in the world. This time, they didn't have any. I mean, it was just a very, very un-South African team. And their fielding was bad. I mean, South Africa have always been defined by you know being great in fielding. Their fielding was most un-South Africa-like. Hashim Amla is way over the hill. I don't know why he was in the in this side in any case. Um, it, it's, I mean, it's been a, quite a fall from him, given that at one point of time, he was considered one of the best batsmen in the world, if not the best batsman in the world. And his statistics were great, but he's terribly fallen away. It was sad to see him. I've always loved watching Hashim Amlabat because of, you know, how classical he is in terms of his batting. And he, if he can score at a fair clip without playing any of the, you know, ABDV kind of shots. So it was just a disappointing. I think, of course, they were let down by their bowling. Their bowling looked like Indian bowling in, in the 1990s. I mean, uh, Lungi Nigidi looked like Doda Ganesh. For all. I mean, this, this, was, this was really bad bowling. They didn't look penetrating ever. And they were never really a serious, a, a serious contender at any point of time, which is sad because this is South Africa we are talking about, which is, again, I just cannot recollect. This is a team which I really like. I really like the way South Africans play their cricket there. They, they play their cricket hard, but un, unlike Australia, they don't get nasty most of the time. Uh, with And even the ones who get nasty, I mean, are people like Alan Donald who are like out of the world talented. I mean, there's nobody like Alan Donald in this team anymore. There's nobody like Fanny de Villiers in this team anymore. There's nobody like John D. Rhodes in this team anymore. They, what, what would this side now give to have a Herschel Gibbs back? You know, somebody with genuine flair, somebody who can win games. They just don't have any match winners. And I don't know where South Africa is heading. Some people are saying this is what's happening is because of the reservation system they have in their selection, that that's ultimately this is this is where it's heading. And I'm just afraid that, that we might have South Africa going to uh, going into a Zimbabwe mode, which is the last thing that, that we want because this 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 we do need South Africa in the cricketing world. So who else is left? Then there is of course uh, 
Pakistan. I think West Indies. I think Pakistan played fairly well. I'm going to come to Pakistan, but I think and Pakistan provided us a lot of entertainment, especially their TV shows. But West Indies again, it, it, West Indies had I think had a better side this, this this time than some of their previous World Cups. I think it had. I think West Indies, and this is the difference between Sri Lanka and West Indies. I mean, West Indies didn't do too much better than Sri Lanka, but at least you can see the nucleus of a good West Indian side developing there, at least batting wise. You can see, you know, whether it be Shea Hope, Hetmeyer, Puran, you can see, okay, there's, this is, these are three good young batsmen who have a future ahead of them. I mean, we know that Gale is retiring and, you know, you still have Evan Lewis. It's, it's, it's a good side. If, 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 if Andre Russell can, uh, can pull himself away from franchise cricket, which he's not going to, and actually play for the country. And I mean, the, and he, he came to this tournament with basically one working leg. And even then he did fairly well. So they have the advantage of somebody like Andre Russell, who's, of course, he bowls just four overs, which is not a coincidence. That's the amount of maximum overs he bowled in a T20. So he could bowl only four overs. His body is basically shut itself down into a T20 mode. He only His body only exercises that amount of energy which is required to carry him through one T20 game at one time. After that, he doesn't work anymore. It's, 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 a, it's, a, remarkable, it's, it's a remarkable situation, I would say. So with Andre Russell and with this team, I think the good news about West Indies is that they have a fairly good team moving forward. Um, uh, I think bowling-wise... They were again. I think it was okay. There wasn't a bad bowling side. There were some games in which they, especially in the game against Pakistan, where they really, really came hard at them. You know, the, the pitch. If the pitch gives them something, they still have. I think they have their bowling attack is possibly now pretty much one of the best bowling attacks they've had in the last ten years. So it's not. It's not a high bar because. West Indies, you know, again, you would see that how many of West Indian pace bowlers may are able to play in the T20 leagues on the world. Not one. And that, again, says something about uh, the individual talent. But I think I, I see that it has something in terms of bowling. It has one left-handed pace bowler who bowls fast. It has one right-handed pace bowler who bowls fast. It has some variety in their bowling attack. And their batting also looks fairly good. It's just that they didn't gel together this time. Um, they were the traditional West Indian you know, if if uh, Carlos Braithwaite had just hit that six, it was just a matter of inches, and things might have been different for them. Again, in the game against New Zealand, but I think they, I think they played much better than I had hoped that they would play. So, you know, kudos to them for that. Which brings me to, of course, our favorite team, Pakistan. So, I, I don't know, uh, Vikram, did you, did you, where do you, because we were kind of off the last two weeks, but were you watching the Pakistani television shows? A couple of them, yeah, whatever links I could find on Twitter. So, Pakistan's, I I just love, so every day, and now it's because I watch them, YouTube keeps on aggressively suggesting all of these to me every time I log into YouTube, is that they have at least two shows, and they have a number of web shows now where, uh, you know, great people like Kamran Akmal come in and weigh in on, on, on individual performance. So all of them have one of the great thing about Pakistani cricket experts is that all of them have this standard tack, 
which they take. So with Shoaib Bakhtar, whenever he talks, it's all about how great he is. Pretty much everything is, when I was a cricketer, Indians were afraid of me. Everybody was afraid of me. I am the greatest. People are still afraid of me. I am the best. So he will say this every five seconds. You know, whatever he says. Oh, today uh, Afghanistan. Uh, you know, we played well against Bangladesh. But you know, when I was playing against Bangladesh, those guys were freaking scared of me because I was so fast. I was so awesome. I used to bowl at hundred miles per hour. So that's pretty much everything about. And he's one of the people who's actually. Worth listening to, even when the times when he's not doing apna mumiyami too, he's actually says something of of some significance. The other guys are just like people like Basit Ali, Sikandar Bak. They're just all about anti-India hate. I mean, the hatred for India just you know kind of floods out of of them. I mean, even when India does well, they always talk about. Oh, India is a good team. India is a very good team. Why is India a very good team? They have so much money because they have, you know, screwed us. That's why they're good. I mean, they were never very good, right? We knew we used to beat them all the time. We all of us know how, what a sad cricket side it was. But look at where they have come. I'm not saying we're as good as they are. We're no, no longer. But basically, they conspired. I mean, the, the, the underlying thing is they conspired to get us here. And the reason why we are here is that Indians are better, are great devils. And we are all innocent people. And our government is all corrupt. And we didn't do the right things. And look at them. They did all the right things. And so they will have, they will have this. I mean, in terms of, we're talking about in terms of lack of class, they will have uh, a guy who will come and pretend to be Kapil Dev. And he will debase himself as, you know, on a Pakistani show. So, so that's really their standard. I mean, their standard is amazing in terms of, there's nothing we in India can do to come to that standard really. And it's just so much of so much of India hatred. I mean, it's not just a question of cricket. It is a question of, from the audience, it's about debasing India, even when they lose even when they lose, they will make fun of their own players. They will say, but they will make fun of their players and the way they make fun of India is very different. When they make fun of their players, they make fun of individuals. When they, Even when they get thrashed by India, even when they get thrashed by India and they have to say that, okay, Virat Kohli is a better player. For instance, I was looking at this very old, another thing that Pakistan has is that they, they their importance is, they like to think of themselves as important by how much they get discussed by India. I'll give you an example. There was, because I've been watching all these Pakistani shows, and I said YouTube has been aggressively recommending. I saw this old one with, with, uh, with Inzamamul Haq and Imran Khan, our present Kala Dal Prime Minister. So <laughs> Imran Khan was saying that when I, I said that Inzamam is a better batsman than Sachin Tendulkar. This caused a national crisis in India. Apparently, it caused a national crisis in India. Okay, so they like to think that we still remember that. And he said that even today, apparently, India cannot forget the fact that I said that he's a no. We've forgotten the fact. Okay, we have forgotten the fact. Let me say, as an Indian fan, we've forgotten the fact. In your opinion, does not count. The only thing we remember you by, sir, is through the Kala. That Kalada. That is the only thing which I will remember about you. Okay. I used to remember other things, but for now, your entire legacy has, has become black lentils. That's it. That's all I will say. And for those of you who do, do not understand what I'm saying, please refer to my first podcast ever right. done. <laughs> what an auspicious way to begin. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Really, I'm pretty sure no podcast in the world has begun with that <laughs> topic, but we did. We did go there. Uh, so if you want to know the secret of the black lentil, then please go and listen to the first podcast. Uh, again, as a team, I think Pakistan played well. I think it's again they 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 were they were destroyed by India. Because India is a, you know, we've been destroying them for in the World Cups, even when they had much better sides. Okay. It didn't matter. So we destroy them in World Cup. Maybe it's luck. I don't know what it is, but we destroyed them. Even this time we destroyed them. But Pakistan, I think Shaheen Afridi, I'd mentioned it at one point of time. I, I saw Shaheen Afridi in the PSL and I felt he was very good. He's not been, he was not having a great time recently, but I felt that he had it, he had it in him. To, because he had pace, he has he has all the deliveries, he has everything. And I felt, and again, he's I read it. He was, he was 17 years old, apparently. Again, his last name is Afridi, so you know <laughs> right. his birth certificate. So yeah, yeah, sure, he's 17 years old. So um, so so he he I think he played very well. I think that I think Mohammad Amir bowled well initially, and then kind of failed, fell off over over the tournament. I think also that they had they, they obviously had the wrong selection strategy. Uh, they they played uh, Shoaib Malik in in the middle. I, I think he's he's over the hill at this point of time. Uh, Harris Yeah, Damadji and, and again they, they, their whole thing is that they're obsessed with Damadji's wife. They're obsessed with Damadji's wife. I mean there 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 no there are no two ways about it. And Damadji has to put up with a lot of shit. I've seen that. I mean, Damadji has to. Do you think Damad? You think? Shania Mirza puts up with shit in India. You should see what Damaji has to put up in on Pakistan television. So uh, it's 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 again he he was he was over the hill uh, this time. I think Pakistan made a mistake by having him in the side. Uh, there were other players that they could have played. And and by the way, I'm not talking about players. So there's a Mohsin Khan, if you remember, of Rina Roy fame, right? And he right. he also comes to pour his anti-India vitriol. So he can't decide who he hates more. Does he hate India more? Or and again, I don't blame him for blaming for hating India. I mean, he he did movies with Aditya Panchori. <laughs> I, I totally understand why you would get kind of genocidal after that. So I don't blame Mohsin Khan for that. So Mohsin Khan, who 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 was once, uh, you know, he as you know, he had a ball. He he acted in Bollywood movies like Sati and Patwara. And then he went back and he became a Pakistan coach for some time. And so his his bile is 50% on India and 50% on those morons in the Pakistan administration who don't want him as a coach. So his, his, his anger is against the current coach, Mickey Arthur, because obviously he's pissed off that he has his job and he doesn't. Um, then there is Kamran Akmal, who's pissed off at the fact that he is not the keeper. <laughs> His main thing is look at my record and look at the, these guys' record. So he's 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 also like a broken deal. So the great thing about Pakistan thing and Basit Ali is always about Indians conspire against us. I mean that's his main thing. That though Basit Ali is of course their their kingpin. I and mean, whenever Basit Ali is on TV, I like totally stop eating and just watch what Basit Ali is saying. He's 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 a piece of work, man. And for those of you who want to see it, go and listen to anything that Basit Ali. For Vikram, do you remember Basit Ali as a player, by the way? Uh, yeah, briefly, yeah. Yeah, so Basit Ali wasn't a bad player, actually. He was actually a pretty good player. 
uh, he is his, his he had he had no career in pakistan apparently because he was involved in match fixing <laughs> so, or something of the sort and uh, that's why he was he was his career unceremoniously ended and he, according to him it ended, it ended because he was an honest person uh, whatever it was again i i'm pretty sure that 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 could also be true but uh, but again i think that pakistan team looked good uh, there was this definitely a better pakistan team that i remember especially from the last world cup where uh, they were really bad because they were carrying all these really really old players they were carrying misbah who was pretty getting pretty old they were carrying uh, afridi who was never who afridi was can't be old. come on yes he was also obviously very young he was too young and this time at least again just like west indies i see the nucleus of a fairly good side uh, i don't think imamul haq really fits there uh i i mean he's he's okay player i i don't think maybe i mean there's a this virtually every television show in pakistan always accuses that he's you know, he's in the side because of nepotism i don't think he's a guy who can who you would want to have in your side if you're trying to get 350 but you know maybe maybe he's not a bad he's not a he's not he's not a bad foil to somebody like fakhar zaman who who obviously had a terrible terrible tournament this time but he's much better player than uh then that what we saw because barbarism was was a, was lovely to watch barbarism have you watched him back vikram no no, no. Uh, i i just saw him in the three matches this time okay so barbarism was, was he's, he's 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 again he's he has this hashim amla kind of hashim amla at his best uh use of yohana at his best kind of this bat pick up and the way he bats it's it's very lovely to watch i don't think he's particularly i don't think he's particularly good at the t20 style of cricket he's not a power hitter in 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 any shape or form uh i think they did well by bringing in harris sohel harris sohel is the only person there who kind of can do that kind of power hitting uh professor saab and damad ji were were absolutely over the hill i think we have seen i wonder at uh, what point the coincidences with the 92 uh, campaign stopped well the the fact is there was I, i don't think there was any chance in hell that uh, safraz khan would ever become the prime minister of india <laughs> i think that was where it was all going to uh, i think there was where it was all going to end i think it ended i know i think it was the last game where it ended where uh, if they had scored like 500 runs and defeated bangladesh then yes it would definitely have been world cup 92 but uh, I I really like that meme that World Cup 92. The the favorite part of the meme was that in 92 Asim Zardari was in jail. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. That was the killing end. <laughs> that's the actual thing. So, uh I mean that, that that's about it for uh, for 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 this time. Yeah, and like I said then the next podcast would be uh, I don't know what time we would be recording it because we, the finals would be on. so we would either be no i don't think the finals will be on if we record it in a normal time which is yeah know, I, i guess yeah that would be before uh, okay that's uh, what that's pretty much our episode for today uh, we hope you liked it and uh, in case you forgot over the last two weeks you can support arnab on his patreon page that's uh, patreon.com/greatbong also try out our other podcasts uh, you can start with whatsapp geeks that's a tech podcast without the tech and you've got binge on where rajeshwari and i we tell you the best stuff to watch online so send in your comments to appodcast@talkingstuff.net or you can whatsapp it to us like most people do at 96525 7833 that's 96525 stuff 
uh, also if you're listening uh, to this of course in uh, any podcast player you might find a link in the show notes which would let you send a voice note directly to to us so you you could try that as well so uh, until next time take care bye bye take care bye bye